Jackie. And I'm Candice. Welcome to WTF. Women Talk Finance. Our WTF podcast will take a simplified approach to finance. And we talk about investing, a topic we believe women don't talk enough about. We'll discuss common financial questions and challenges that women face in business and throughout their personal lives. I'd like to give a quick disclosure before we begin our conversation. This overview is for informational purposes only. We might include some projections and those should not be relied upon for the purpose of investing. Past performance is not indicative of future results and any investments we mention are meant for accredited investors only. And any offer can only be considered upon review of a prospectus and relevant offering documentation. So please keep this in mind as we move through this overview and remember that these are our opinions only. Hello and welcome back. We are with Brooke Markovicius with Alibi and I am so excited to have you here today, Brooke. Uh, Brooke is with, uh, as I said, Alibi, which is the future of outsourcing and you aim to disrupt the business model of finding and managing freelancers using AI and a community of vetted experts. Tell us a little bit more about Alibi. Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Um, how this company came to be was really out of the uh, my own frustrations and experience um, having been in the world of a traditional job and having to leave it um, after I had my daughter. So I was actually working in tech at Postmates at um, the time that I got pregnant with my daughter. And after many months of hustling um, for someone else for 80 hour work weeks, I decided to quit and start my own um, freelance business. And that ended up growing and changing a lot over a series of about seven years. And so I saw a lot of the ups and downs of freelancing and small business owners needing to hire, uh, nonprofits hiring, startups hiring, and really so many things needed to be disrupted, um, as well as a new shift into what flexible work actually meant and would look like. And so that's why I decided to take my tech skills and take my freelancing experience and put it together into what would become Alibi, which is... Um, really a one-stop business solution for the overwhelmed entrepreneur. So the entrepreneur that is really tired of all of the cognitive overload that comes with hiring and managing freelancers, but needs an affordable, um, high touch point way to um, outsource. And so we've really utilized technology to create that option here at Alibi. Tell us about the name. I have a feeling there's a story behind it. There is. So we actually, our first name was Momentum Market because we predominantly were moms that had left the traditional nine to five. Um, but everybody has the name Momentum, like literally all over. So our search engine optimization kind of sucked, to be honest. And so we needed to change our name. And we basically were throwing every name out there that could ever have existed. Um, and I came up upon this idea of aloe mothering or aloe parenting, which is what elephants do. So when an elephant mama has a baby, the whole herd of elephants takes care of that baby while the mama recovers. And then they continue to help support that baby all throughout its life. And so here at Aloe Bee, we really feel that 
we take care of our business owners and our freelancers from the time they step into our door at Allaby all the way as they grow um, and continue to scale their business, as well as the B side. Um, lots of my family members had beehives uh, growing up and had honey, and I always loved bees. I think that they're pretty underestimated. They also have a pretty powerful sting, and that is how women are. Um, we're very underestimated in the workforce, in tech, in um, all throughout pretty much anything here um, in our country. And so kind of merging those two together created this totally made up name um, that no one had out there and allowed us to have a dot com for $8.88. So that's our story of our name. When bees have a queen. And they know who's in charge. But I love the elephants because they have it totally figured out. That's amazing. So, and you guys have an all-female leadership team in the tech yeah. world. I mean, have you guys even come across another all-female leadership team in the tech space? We have not really. Well, okay, I shouldn't say that. We do have a really great friend, um, Sarah Moskoff at the company Winnie, which is disrupting the childcare industry. So shout out to Sarah. Um, they, she also worked at Postmates when I did, and she left after she had her child. And so did her um, co-founder, Anne, and they went and started this company. They're both technical and they're both moms. So they're kind of our other cohort of moms out there. Um, but they do have more males on their full team. We have a full team of women um, that are the only people on our full-time employment right now. Uh, so it's definitely something that is unique um, and it's beautiful at the same time. What has been the response from different employers out there and employees alike? I mean, again, you keep talking about being a disruptor and I think you truly are within a female led team and an entire female team. Tell us about what type of response and feedback you get from the community at large. Yeah, so... At the early days, we thought that the most of our clients would be female founders, female founded companies, female small business owners. And we quickly found that a lot of men started to become our clients, which was great um, and something that we weren't necessarily expecting. But oftentimes their wives would tell them about Alibi and they're like, well, we need someone to hire. We think moms are great. Let's go ahead and hire them. Um, and so it really changed and evolved on that side of the spectrum. And then we started to get a lot of response from men asking to be a part of our workforce, too. And so what we ended up doing was opening up our workforce a bit. We're still 98% female, but we do have about 2% of men, which are predominantly dads that we found. Um, but the, everybody's looking for flexible work. And I think until we open that ability to have flexible work and really make it okay to have a flexible job and be cool with that um, for all genders across um, you know, all barriers, that's when we're really going to be able to make some change and disrupt things. But there's a lot of bias around it. There's also a lot of bias around um, people working a part-time job, which we found that you know some people really are not sure if they should hire just a part-time worker. Are they going to be as you know effective? Are they going to bring as much to the table? Um, but I always counter that with them that, well, are your full-time employees super efficient? Can they get work done fast? How much are you wasting by paying a full-time employee that you could be saving for your business? Um, and so it's always good to kind of push up against the wall and um, challenge that traditional way of hiring and managing um, a workforce. 
I love this because this is giving opportunities to predominantly women who otherwise we would have lost in the workforce. We wouldn't, I mean, so I don't know if you have an idea or a statistic on how many of these incredible women and men, but a lot of women would not be in the workforce, would not be the the force that they are currently because with, without this opportunity. I mean, this is, this is huge. This is keeping this powerful group of people in the space that isn't always very easy. Yeah, for sure. So pre-pandemic, 43% of educated women were leaving the workforce pre-pandemic. During the pandemic, over 2 million women, and I think it's even higher than that now, have left the workforce and they're not coming back. The traditional workforce is going to be completely different now. Um, I was actually on another podcast this morning talking about how it's not just the great resignation, but it's always it's also this return to work. Women are like, hey, no, I'm not going back to the traditional way we were doing things and something has to change. And it's starting to be felt in the workforce now. And um, it started even on the the level of small business owners. Now, 70% of small business owners are willing to hire a remote worker or at least a few times a week remote, which was not happening pre-pandemic. So it was a huge change in how we do business. Um, But also corporate America is becoming more willing to allow this to happen. And so there's a lot of change that's coming. um, And a lot of women want something that is 30 hours or less a week, which is what the only things that we do at Alibi is 30 hours or a week week or less. Um, Most people actually want about 15 hours a week is kind of the sweet spot for them. So things are changing for sure. You have your own podcast, little shameless plug here, Alibi Radio on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And on that podcast, you really focus on supporting your audience as business owners, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? What's the importance of support for business owners? And kind of how do you orient towards that? How do you provide it? Yeah, for sure. So one thing that we really did at the beginning of Alibi and Alibi Radio actually started before I even started the company. So it was something that kind of originated prior to us starting. Um, But we believe that both our freelancers, which we call our experts, as well as our um, actual clients are needing support in their business and in their life. Um, And a lot of times freelancers aren't looked at as business owners, and that's kind of a bad perception to take and for them as well, because they're building their own little business, Um, however big they want it to be or however small, it still is a business and they should treat it like a business. And so what we did on the podcast was to bring in people that have all different backgrounds from working in corporate America to leaving corporate America to freelancing, consulting, you know, starting huge companies and uh, making huge changes in the world. But everybody seems to have the same problems <laughs> universally. So it's really nice to be able to not to see people's problems, but to see that you're not alone in it, that no matter if your business is small or huge, you're dealing with the same stuff on a weekly basis um, and that you can learn from each other and you can learn from somebody's really high point and someone's really low point. Um, And so that's what we've really done and focused at LLB Radio is to make sure we bring out not just the logistics of how to run a business, but also the really in-depth stories that we don't talk about on on a daily basis that we should so we don't feel as alone to start a business and stick with the business. 
Every day you hear about people making money by investing in IPOs and startups. But what about you? These kinds of investments are simply not available to Main Street investors. At Rowe Capital Group, we are committed to providing access to strategic, early stage, primarily low market correlated investment opportunities. Accredited investors go to rowcapitalgroup.com for more information. Rowe Capital Group, empowering your financial journey. That's amazing. And one of the big business milestones you have achieved is you guys just did a capital raise and got funding, which for those who may not know, is it, that's a significant milestone. And it is significant in the fact that you have an all-female leadership team and you're a tech company. Let's, let's dive into that because I am very excited about that and proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. It's definitely uh, not an easy thing to do. And I I joke, but I'm half serious that if I had to go backwards, I'm not sure if I would have raised. So I will state that. Um, I knew that I wanted to raise because I wanted to get more women paid faster. That's my ultimate goal in life. Um, and I knew that by bringing on outside funding, we could do that faster. We could scale faster. We could grow faster. Um, and so we raised our first round of funding, our pre-seed um, in the fall of 2020 and closed at the beginning of 2021. We raised 500K from predominantly angels, but also a micro VC. Um, and it was a really crazy experience, but also a good one. Um, it's a whole different world when someone is investing in your business and putting um, money where their mouth is in many ways. Um, we have some amazing investors that took a huge risk to um, give us money in the very earliest days. Um, at that point, when you're raising, it's all about the founding story and the founder. They're investing literally in me because there's not much there um, to work with. And so that was a humbling experience for sure. Um, but one that helped to drive a lot of women getting paid over the last year in 2021. Um, we employ full-time employees, contractors, as well as help to get our freelancers work, um, which was really powerful. And now we're raising our seed round um, of $3 million, which this is a very weird time and landscape to be raising, not just for a female founder, but also in the markets and with the potential recession on the forefront. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of risk that people are, are looking at. And so it's definitely a hard time. Um, but we have over half committed for this round and some really great people in our pipeline. So I'm excited to nail this round and get it done. Um, but it's definitely quite the experience as a female founder getting in front of people. Um, and I've learned a lot along the way. I want to hear some of the things you've learned, but also super curious do you have both men and women investors? Yeah, I definitely talk about this a lot. There's very few female investors out there, one, um, especially in the VC space. So getting in front of them is hard because they get a, all the women come to them. Um, and so it's really hard to get a meeting with them. One, they usually have a lot lower funds than most of the people out there. They likely are taking less risk, which is not a problem by any means, but they're usually writing lower checkpoints. Um, so it is a little bit harder. Currently, out of our first round of investors, we had three female angel investors. Um, out of uh, total, we had eight investors. So three out of the eight 
Um, this round so far, we only have one female investor and it's just an angel. So our firms are all men, um, which I'm really hoping to get some more women on the cap table. It's something that I will lower the cap table amount to get women on there um, to get them to be able to invest in a company. But it's hard. There's less women out there that are doing it. Um, there's definitely been a shift and change over the last several years and many people that are advocating for women to get into investing. Um, but it's definitely harder to find a female investor or firm that is willing um, to take a risk, especially surprisingly on a tech company. So you would think that as a female founder that has a tech background, it would be easier. It's not necessarily because a lot of female investors are more focused on CPG or on consumer. And so when you're doing B2B, there's less people that are in that space that are women. Um, so it's been an interesting experience. Um, also, I've learned the art of a cold email because you don't have as many connections as a female founder um, and people will answer a cold email. So don't uh, think that they won't, they actually will. Um, and, and then it's your job to get them to the next stage. Well, and there's a small percentage of female investors, but you're part of an even more elite circle, a more exclusive circle of female founders who got funding, especially from a VC. So let's let's talk a little bit about that because you're part of a very, very narrow, like tiny pool of female founders who've received funding for their tech business. Yeah, so it is less than 2% pretty much always for females that get VC funding. And um, I know a lot of the females that got the funding over the last several years, it's bad when you can like count who got it. Um, and we're, we are kind of an exclusive group. It is something that um, needs to change and is probably, in my opinion, one of the ways that we really disrupt and change things here in America is by women actually creating wealth from companies that are really awesome, um, is oftentimes women handle the, their money better. They also handle their business expenses better. So entering into a potential recession, um, a lot of the companies that hopefully will come out on the other side are female companies that knock it out of the park. Um, I know that we're super, like as we're coming to the, uh, hopefully closing this round soon, um, we knew that we had only but so much runway, but when we saw it might take a little bit longer, we cut back expenses, we found ways to work with it. Um, but we have a lot more empathy as women too. And so I think we lead in a different way. Um, and I think that that's something special. It's just getting men on board with that and to understand that um, we have a lot of potential. One thing that really surprised me in all of this is it doesn't matter how much revenue you have or how much growth you have, um, even as a female founder, because if a male founder walks in the door um, that has this really crazy idea, but maybe had worked at Google and Facebook before, they're going to get the check, even if they don't have any money coming in the door. Um, and it's very obvious. And so it's just making sure that you're getting in the door with the people that do want to invest in female founders and are willing to listen to your story. 
That's really well said. Yeah, you're making a lot of interesting points here that I think we could unpack and unpack. Um, it's interesting. Candace and I have had some other conversations recently where there's this common theme and this thread that keeps reoccurring. And it's kind of like some people like pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Um, our guest yesterday talked about the Piscean era versus the Aquarian age. There's, there's just a shift, right? Old world, new world. There, there's different patterns, different things happening. And I love that your podcast and your company is geared towards, number one, support. Support of each other, right? There is abundance. There's not, it's not this world of just, comp, you know, competition everywhere. And that's the only scenario. So can you talk a little bit about how important support has been for you as a female founder of a tech company, receiving financing, all these things, right? All these boxes that are being checked and specifically kind of what other tools you could recommend that are out there. I know we've we've got some statistics about millennials really wanting to be entrepreneurs, right? And Gen Zers wanting to be entrepreneurs more than ever before. Um, the entrepreneur is going to replace kind of the big old corporate framework. So what are some of those tools? Talk about that support system. Yeah, for sure. One thing that I did a really good job of was creating an awesome network of women that were at similar stages of business as me. And so um, a few weeks ago, I was in LA and it was really cool to be able to come to the table with women that all started our businesses in the last four years and seeing the growth that we have all had. Um, many of us have businesses that overlap and intersect and intertwine. And um, one thing that we talked about was the fact that a lot of the businesses that were not about collaboration over competition are not here anymore after these, this pandemic, that we really help to hold each other up, refer each other, support one another, give intros to investors, you know, help get checks written for one another, send affiliate you know, codes to one another. But by getting that support from other female founders or other business owners, you're always going to have somebody that has your back. And especially when we enter into these weird periods of recession and growth and all of that, you need to have people that can speak for you and can go out and share your name. At this conference I was at, I think at least three times someone on stage was like, and go hire Alibi. But like just being able to have that support and I'm always recommending them for things. Um, so definitely get your support network. Don't be afraid to ask for a favor from somebody, but make sure that you kind of build a relationship with them first. I find that, um, and this is not necessarily just Gen Z, but sometimes Gen Z will like jump to the jump to the ask. And I'm like, that's great, but let's, you know, wind it back a little bit and let's figure out how we can support each other together. I want to help you get to where you want to go. Um, but how can I best understand your story so I can recommend you to people? Um, and so I think really just finding networks that you can be a part of, whether if you're a founder, getting into founder groups, um, and or if you're a business owner, or a mom, whatever you are, like go and find people that are similar as well as like pretty different to you too. Um, and so I've believed that by investing in those groups and organizations that I've been a part of over the last several years, it's helped me as an entrepreneur that even if my business folded tomorrow, I could get a job, I could start another company, I could go do whatever I wanted to do because I had that network built. So it's a really great safety net too. I love that. And 
for our investors, all everybody listening, women supporting women is kind of this theme, right? Like put your money where your mouth is. Look at the leadership teams when you're making that investment. We need to be more present as female investors. And it's great to be supporting these female companies from the consumer aspect, but we also need to be supporting female-led companies from the financial investment standpoint as well. So this has been just an incredible conversation. What a wild ride you have had over the last couple of years. And I mean, it sounds like you just have so much more ahead of you. So I'm so grateful to have you share this glimpse of what it's been. And I can't wait to hear more about what the future looks like for you guys. And, and we want, definitely will want to check back in after this, after this raise. Yes, thank you. Yes, it's definitely been a wild ride that we'll keep on going. Um, but definitely, I just encourage anybody that's looking to either invest in women or to work in a female-founded company is take that risk. And I'm sure it's going to reap some sort of re- reward over a long period of time for you. Um, as well as like tons of introductions to awesome women-founded companies. There's a lot of us out there that would love your support. Absolutely. For more information on Alibi, you can go to alibi.com, A-L-L-O-B-E-E.com. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. Please hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with the WTF Women Talk Finance podcast. Email us with questions, suggestions, or just say hi at media at rowcapitalgroup.com. Again, thank you for listening to WTF Women Talk Finance podcast.